Hi, I'm Alyssa Milano, and this is Sorry Not Sorry. I'm so excited to share this group of young voters with you today. Through some activism we've done together, I met Santiago Meyer, Randy Garcia, Jerome Foster, Sophia Shapiro, and Matthew Weinstein. They and their generation lost so much this year when COVID struck and schools closed. Graduations, summer vacations, and other important rites of passage, like their proms. And so they came together to form Prom at the Polls, an incredible initiative designed to bring young voters to the polls in massive numbers. They inspire me, and I'm pretty sure they'll inspire you too. The youth vote, we heard so much about this. Just 13% of voters aged 18 to 29 participated last night, according to the exit polls. Big worry for seniors, no prom or possibly no graduation ceremony. Lifelong memories. I wanted my parents to watch me walk across that stage. Jelani Wasson was looking forward to prom. Her date went all out on his promposal. But at 8.30 Friday night, parents received a call saying prom was off. You make voting fun by having music and dancing and making it a fun kind of experience. Hi, I'm Jerome Foster II. I'm Randy Garcia. I'm Santiago Mayer. I'm Matthew Weinstein. And I'm Sophia Shapiro. And, and we're, we're prom, prom at the polls. polls. Will you go to the prom with us? Sorry, sorry not sorry. sorry. Thanks for being here. So... Sophia, tell us about Prom at the Polls, what it's all about, and what Prom at the Polls is doing in the weeks leading up to the election. So Prom at the Polls is a youth-led civic engagement event meant to take back 2020. And we're doing this through a series of social media challenges and different fun ways for young people and adults to get involved and make the voting process exciting. We lost our prom. We lost graduation. We lost so many things due to the pandemic. And we're going to take that back with Prom at the Polls. We are creating excitement around voting through the challenges, hashtag promposals and hashtag dress up to vote. Those are the two main things that we're working on now and all the way up until the election. So the first one we're using the hashtag promposals is challenging someone to go to the polls with you or to vote by mail with you. And we're doing this to create a just big wave of youth voters and to get so many more people engaged who wouldn't have before. So if I challenge my friend to vote and they vote with me, then they challenge someone else. I'm reaching so many more people than if I had just voted alone. So you may ask, what is a promposal? So a promposal, similarly to promposals in high school for proms or formals, uh, it is asking someone to go to an event with you. So in our case, we're asking people to come with us to the polls uh, or to just vote with us from the comfort of our own home. The other aspect of this is dressing up to vote. So we're using the hashtag dress up to vote. And if you participate in any of these challenges, which we really encourage you all to do, make sure to use the hashtag online so we can spread the word and share the content that you're creating. But dress up to vote is exactly what it sounds like. It's putting on prom or formal attire and either going to the polling place or walking to your mailbox or going to a drop box to cast your ballot, but making sure that you're voting in style 
style and just making voting fun and exciting for everyone. And up until the election, we'll all be participating. And we have some really interesting people and super cool influencers who are participating. But it really comes down to the youth and the population participating. Everyday people getting out, getting excited about voting and participating in these different challenges. Tell us a bit about how Prom at the Polls started. Prom at the Polls began when you actually introduced the five of us and put us in kind of a think tank room. And we all are really passionate about getting out the youth vote and making sure that every young person in this country knows that their vote matters and that their voice matters. And we wanted to come up with a fun and creative way to inspire young people to go to the polls and to vote and make their voice heard on election day. Last word to you, Yvette Nicole Brown. Celebrities are really stepping forward. So um, just one quick word of encouragement. Please encourage other folks to get involved and use their platforms the way you are. I want to say that, first of all, all is not lost. There is still time. There's 18 days. There's a young man named Jerome Foster II who created Prom at the Polls. That's the thing we joked about at the beginning. He's trying to encourage young people to yeah. enjoy their senior year at the polls. So find somebody you want to take to the polls and, and shout them out and shoot your shot. And then just encourage people to find different, interesting, creative ways to, to go in and make a difference. Yeah. Your voice matters. Use it. Out of the first meeting after you connected us, we came up with this idea and ever since then have been meeting daily to pull it off and make it happen. Where can people find out more information? So we have a website, promatthepolls.com, but most of our information and all of our content is on all of our social media platforms. So Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, you can go there and we'll be posting some super cool content from now until election day on the various platforms and you can find more ways to get involved there. Amazing. And Matthew, what do you think is the goal for Prom at the Polls? What do you hope that Prom at the Polls will accomplish? I think we've succeeded if we have even just one person vote that wasn't planning on voting before. Obviously, the goal is a lot bigger than that. But at the end of the day, when we set out to start the Prom at the Polls project, we said to ourselves, what do we want to accomplish? How do we want to help? And how do we think the country needs to change? And one of the big things that we talked about is that the youth vote isn't being considered enough, isn't being cared about enough. And there's not enough people in the country in our generation that are voting. So we thought, let's take that opportunity. Let's take that situation and make it something fun, make it something that they can enjoy, but also make it something that they're going to participate in for the next however many years they want to. So, you know, really, at the end of the day, The goal is if we get as many people voting as possible that haven't voted before, as many people involved in the political process that weren't involved before, and as many people interested that weren't interested before, we've succeeded. Randy, historically, young people have not voted in huge numbers. For example, in 2008, just over 44 percent of young voters turned out, which was the peak number for a generation. And that same year, 57 percent of all voters turned out. So what are you hoping here? I feel like every single election cycle, there is a moment when the DNC says, oh, what about the youth vote? And it's always late. (laughs) Like they're late to the party. They're late to reach the younger generation. So what do you think moving forward we all need to do to make the youth vote a priority in this country? So first and foremost, the youth vote now in 2020, this generation is one of the most informed generations when it comes to how technologically advanced we are and accessibility when it comes to that technology. The majority of the population has cell phones. We have social media and we just text our friends about what's going on. 
people know about RBG and they know about her death and they know about what that meant. Some of the things that we should be doing when it comes to re-engaging the youth in future scenarios, especially for the next election, will be reaching us where we are. That's one of the beautiful things about Pranic Polls, about a lot of what you do, Alyssa. You connect with us, you understand us, and you hear what we're saying. Hey, everybody from Station 19 land. I'm Jay Hayden. I play Travis. And I'm Barrett Dawson. I play Victoria Hughes. Um, so listen, you guys, 2020 has been a little crazy, Insane. right? It's been a turbulent year from the California wildfires to COVID-19. Um, life has been really, really nuts. Yeah. So this is why we are teaming up with prom at the polls. We want to bring a little bit of joy and excitement back into our lives and yours, especially when it comes to voting. By participating in the event, you can become an active part of democracy and help other voters do their part too. You can dress up. Ask each other to prom. Yeah, yeah. Right? Make like, a cake, make a sign. It could be so cute, you guys, and so exciting to this, vote. This is all a celebration, so we only have one question. Will you come to prom at the polls with us? It would be pretty fire if you joined me to vote, Krabby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We want LGBTQ-friendly legislation. We want legislation that looks at women's equality, like the ERA. And we just want our generation to be heard because we are one of like the queerest, gender non-binary, open generations there are. I couldn't agree more. It's so true. And I think that we have to get better at focusing and having youth platforms when people run, because it is different. You all care about things that are different, especially in the middle of this pandemic. Jerome, why do you think it's so important for young people to vote? I believe that it's incredibly important for young people to vote because we have a different perspective when it comes to voting. We have a totally different mindset. We grew up in around 2000, 2003, and that was around 9-11 time. And then we grew up in a financial crisis of 2008. And then every time in elementary school, we read a book, it was about the climate crisis. And for so long, a lot of the movements like March for Our Lives or Women's March, all these different movements were asking for adults to say, hey, young people aren't able to vote, but adults, can you vote for us? Can you vote for the issues that we care about? And I think that it's incredibly important now because 22 million young people are turning 18 this year, and we make up 40% of all eligible voters. And we have an immense opportunity to make an impact this election because as a movement, as an entire generational force, we have the power to shift the tectonic plates of what happens at the ballot box and have a political revolution. And I think that's really how we have an impact and why it's so important for our generation to join forces with one another and be a part of a movement like a youth wave that will just throw in the ballot box and show that young people are here to advocate for climate justice, for immigration reform, for gender and racial equity, and for gun violence prevention, and really safeguard our future in our communities as we go to these ballot boxes. And young people, we don't have an agenda. We aren't here for money. We aren't here for pride. We're here to save our lives and save our future. And we're looking out for our little sisters and brothers that are growing up in a society where it's getting worse and worse. Because we're the first generation in American history to have less economic assets than our parents. So that gives us a lot of anxiety as we go to these polls as well. And that's really what the other sentiment of Prom the Polls is, is to kind of change that feeling of our generation, not around anxiety and about we need something to happen. It's about us being happy and being excited and energized as we turn out to vote. And just knowing that for so long, politics hasn't worked out for young people. They haven't talked to us. They haven't really come to us and include us in polls. And like now we have the power to really change that. And that's why your vote matters, because once you turn out to vote, they're going to start talking to you and start including you in the process. Amazing.
Santiago, what do you think changes when young voters turn out in big numbers? Right. So I think one of the main issues is the reason legislators don't listen to young people is that young people don't vote. And the reason young people don't vote is because they don't feel listened to. Hey guys, Yvette Nicole Brown here. You might know me as Helen from Drake and Josh or Shirley from Community, but I'm here to talk to you about something that's even more important. It's important for you, the young people of the world, to vote. Today is National Voters Registration Day. That's when I'm making this video. I don't know when you're going to see it, but that's when I'm making it. So I'm here to talk to you about the importance of all of you registering and voting. Now, I know you might be thinking, what's the point of voting? You know, the, the, the government right now is the reason I couldn't even have a prom during a pandemic. I get it, guys. It was all a hot mess. But this is how you can make a change and still have your prom. There's this great thing called prom at the polls. If you go to promatthepolls.com, you can find out all about it. We want to see you probably in all your finest clothes helping us fix our democracy. So please go to promatthepolls.com and join us as we try to make the world better for you. You're the future. I'm out of here. It's you guys. Please vote. So I think we just need a tipping point election where young people actually come out and make their voices heard. Because once we do that, once people in power realize that we're a reliable voting bloc and that we will be holding them accountable, they will start listening to us. I say this really frequently, and it's that most issues that divide us are not partisan issues. They're generational issues. Now, Generation C might not necessarily agree on how to solve all of them, but we agree that they exist. We know that climate change is something that affects us. We know that gun violence is something that affects us. And even if we don't agree on the solutions, the fact that we recognize there's an issue is one step ahead of where many of our leaders are. When we make our voices heard, when we say this is what we want and this is when we want it because it's life or death issues that are affecting our world. It makes those in power start to listen and start paying attention and start thinking about how to solve them. So the main thing that changes is there's another block of power that our leaders have to listen to and they have to consider when making decisions because they know that their current voters, they might not be here for a lot longer and that the new voters, the ones that are rising, are going to hold them accountable if they don't tackle these issues. Yeah. And I think you mentioned issues that are super specific to the youth vote. Do you want to just go into those a little bit? You mentioned LGBTQ plus rights and women's rights with the ERA. And you mentioned gun violence. What other issues do you think that your generation is concerned about? And you could take that, Santiago. There's obviously a lot of issues and they affect each person differently. But I think the main ones are the ones we've mentioned already. Like Randy said, there are a lot of openly LGBTQ plus people in our generation because it's something we accept now. It's something we grew up with and that we're open to. We also are starting to see the effects of climate change. The entire West Coast is on fire. And we know that that's not going to change unless we make a change. And that if we don't take action on that, that's going to be our future. And that's going to be something that we deal with because we're currently the youngest generation that can vote. And we're going to be here for the longest. And if action isn't taken there, we and our children and our grandchildren are going to be made to deal with the effects. Gun violence, I mean, we've grown up in a traumatized state. Every time in my high school, there was like a pop, someone popped a balloon, everyone jumped because you never know if it's actually a balloon or if it's someone shooting. We deal with lockdown thrills where we have to think about how we will hide if there's a shooter in our school. And I don't think that's a 
way to keep our mental health. And that's something else, for example, that we're really open to. We accept that mental health is something that exists and that we need to consider because everyone is dealing with a lot of things. So like I said, there's a lot of issues that we all agree exist. It's just a matter of how we fix them. And listening to young voters is probably the best step forward to fixing those issues. Matthew, you're actually from Parkland. Do you have anything to share about the youth vote and how gun violence impacts your generation and your community? I think Santiago knocked it out of the park when he said that these issues are not partisan, they're generational. Looking at gun violence, it's unfortunately a good example of that. After the shooting at Stoneman Douglas back in 2018, the community came together, not around our partisan politics so much as our desire to make things right to prevent any other community from having to go through what we, as a community, went through. No one else in the future should have to deal with the grief of losing 17 people or having 17 people injured. No one should have to deal with worrying about if they're going to make it home when they go to school. No one should worry about their kids being traumatized by a lockdown procedure. These are human issues. These are generational issues. These issues aren't partisan. And I think that when youth voters come out in droves, we say to government, we say to politicians that these are issues that we care about and that these are things that are affecting us. These are things that are changing our lives on on a daily basis. And we're going to vote in a way that represents how this affects us. And we're going to vote in a way that will hopefully change things for the better in the future. Is Prom at the Polls partisan? No, Prom at the Polls is completely nonpartisan. We believe in the power of the vote no matter who that vote is for. We believe that everyone's voice needs to be heard. I want to go to Prom at the Polls with you. I'm crying because I I just think that everyone needs to be part of the political process because that is what is important in democracy. So it doesn't matter who you're voting for as long as you are voting and getting involved. I wonder, though, if that is an issue. I wonder if we need to look at the youth vote and put a political side on it. I think most turnout efforts are nonpartisan that are geared towards young people. Does anybody have any thoughts on that? Partisanship in general is something that is not necessarily growing with Generation C. This year specifically, we're seeing negative partisanship, which in general just means people are not necessarily voting for the candidate in their party. They're just voting for who they agree with the most, even if it's one from another party. And specifically with young people, that's something that's really effective because as we might have seen during the primaries, it's not necessarily who your party chooses, it's who you believe in the most. And like we were speaking about earlier, we don't necessarily care about the candidate or the party. We care about issues. And even if we don't agree on how to solve them, we need someone that recognizes the issues that are there. So we don't necessarily have to look at it in a political angle because we can just make sure that everyone's voices are heard and that a respectful and eloquent discussion is taken with those voices. I talk to people our age who I disagree with in a lot of things, but even they agree that gun violence and climate change and LGBTQ plus rights are something that needs to be tackled. And again, we don't necessarily agree on how to best solve those issues or how to tackle them. But just the fact that we can have a respectful, dignified discussion about whether those issues are something that affects us is something that I don't think is currently happening with older generations. So 
as long as everyone comes out and makes their voice heard and votes and elects the leaders that best represent them, I think we can go back to a state where it's all right to disagree with someone. And you can still be friends with people you disagree with. And that's something I think Generation C in particular is really passionate about, fomenting disagreement and fomenting discussion and fomenting debate. Just having people who might not be in particular agreeable with your political alignments, but are still people you can talk to and have fun with and discuss politics with. Randy, I want to go to you because young voters of color have been especially disenfranchised. Tell us what things like Prom at the Polls can do to convince young black and brown voters that their votes matter. Prom at the Polls makes voting for young black voters, young BIPOC voters exciting. It puts it in a different light that isn't always so, I have to say it like this, negative. We look at the way that Black people and people of color are portrayed in the media. What's going on with the Asian community right now? A lot of the animosity that is shown towards these communities, there are a lot of like economic barriers. There are a lot of social barriers here. We've seen the science. We've seen the data. The coronavirus was like a huge explosion of that. Prom at the polls says voting doesn't have to be about party. Voting can be fun. Voting can be exciting. And going out to the polls and getting your voices heard means something because you're being listened to and you're being heard. And it's in your own unique way. Randy, can you explain to my listeners what bi POC means? Black indigenous people of color. Sometimes you confuse it with like the bi community and the LGBT community. It's like a running joke around Gen Z and millennials. And Jerome, you have a story where you were actually purged from the roles. Is that right? Tell us about that. Yes. So about a week ago, I got a phone call from my mom just checking in to make sure that I am registered to vote because in Washington, D.C., there's a process where you can register to vote on the day, but I just wanted to check in just as like a precaution. And that day, I had found out that my mom and my uncle and my sister were all purged from the voter ballots. And it was because of the fact that my mom takes care of my uncle because he is mentally disabled and is taken care of by that. And my mom works as a home health aide. And they basically said that she didn't exist. And it was horrible because of the fact that like, I run a youth voting organization. I do this work every day. And it's crazy to actually have that happen to me because most of the times when things happen, I'm like, that couldn't happen to me. And then I've experienced it myself. And it was extremely demoralizing because I spent two hours going through the website. How do I get myself back on the voter ballot? And how do I get my family back on the ballots? And I felt like I didn't want to vote at that point. Honestly, I felt like, why am I going through this? It just felt really like you aren't being taken care of and you aren't being listened to. But I think afterwards, I talked to a person who worked at the DCBSB who helps people get back on voter ballots. And they helped us to reassure us that this happens and that just because of the fact that like they've overturned a lot of voter protection laws, that this is going to continue to happen and that we just have to be diligent. And it happened to me in the midterms in 2018. And thank God I called to get my absentee ballot. I usually vote in person, but I was going to be out of town doing a movie and I was purged. And I was so confused, but apparently it was because, and let this be a lesson to everybody, my address on my driver's license was different than my home address. And of course, the reason why I do that is so that stalkers can't find me. But I had to re-register under the home address. I mean, that's why I've been harping in the last couple of months, check your voter registration. It's such an easy thing to do. It takes three minutes, but you don't want to wind up getting to the polls and find out that you were purged for something that you could have prevented. 
from happening. A lot of people in key states like Georgia, like Texas, like Arizona, like Washington, D.C., really be sure to make sure you check your voter ballots every two weeks because it could happen to you too. And just be diligent and just stay hopeful because it can feel like that odds are stacked against you. But we're here. We're here with you. There's organizations here to help. Hey. Hi. Hey, did you you call? Yes. Uh, Yeah. I saw that you invited Joe to come at the polls. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna go. It's gonna be super fun. Wow. Okay. I guess I don't know who your best friend is. <laughs> Taryn, you're obviously coming with us. Yeah, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, um, meet us at the loft and, and bring your mask. Yes, okay, cool. See you soon. All right, see ya. Bye. Bye. If you can go on Google and you can Google how to get support on that. And there's so many ways you can continue to feel hopeful in these times because it's happening to a lot of people. It just didn't happen to me. It happened to thousands of people across America. So there's people out here that can help and support you too. I wanted to really quickly hop on and just say, we're talking a lot about voting, but something that we haven't mentioned is the Latino vote. And like, this is a message to anybody that's Latino that's listening to this. Tu voto es importante. Tu voto da poder. You are important. You are a part of this country and you have power. And if you are someone whose parents cannot vote, but you can, if you have the ability and the privilege to vote, go out and vote. Don't just do it for yourself. Do it for your mother. Do it for your tia. Do it for your grandma. Do it for anyone that you lost or matters to you. Great, Randy. Thank you. And Jerome, what advice would you give to a young person who has never voted before? I think that the advice I would give to a young person who hasn't voted before is that We have been for so long asking for adults to vote for us and to vote for the issues that we care about. And now we're stepping onto the political stage and really having the opportunity to go out and vote. And I think that a lot of young people right now are seeing like a lot of our major monuments really passing away, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Congressman John Lewis and Chadwick Boseman, Toni Morrison, all these people that upheld our democracy for so many decades are passing away. But now it's like, even though they created these structures, we have to continue to build on top of them. So I think that with our vote, that's like the first step that we can have as you going out to the polls and being politically active is like paying respect to them and paying respect to the decades of work that they've done. Because a lot of what we're seeing now is the teardown of a lot of the work President Obama has done. And as long as we go out and continue to be politically active and make our voices heard and make the issues that we care about made onto the national attention, then we're going to see a lot of changes happen. So know that your vote doesn't just go out there and doesn't get impacted, but it has a huge impact. Whether you're in a swing state, a battleground state, anywhere. It's not partisan. It's not political. It's just about solving the issues, whether that's socioeconomic issues or cultural issues or decades of injustice. We're voting to really fix our democracy. And that's really the impact young people have being the first generation to go out here as a united force during a year of COVID-19 to step on the political stage. Santiago, some young people who missed out on their prom will still be too young to vote this year. Are there ways that they can still participate in this election? For sure. We were actually speaking to some high school students earlier today, and they're super excited about being part of From the Pulse, even if they can't vote yet. My name is Dennis Gates, head men's basketball coach at Cleveland State University. I am dressed for the occasion. So should you. It's an open invite to join and support a youth-led, nonpartisan initiative, Prom at the Polls. I will be chaperoning this great event, so join in, hashtag Prom at the Polls, by first, dressing for the occasion. Second, get to the polls, be patient. Third, cast your vote. Fourth, take a picture and post to your social media accounts, hashtag 
Prom at the Polls. Support the young leaders and founders at Prom at the Polls, Jerome, Sophia, Santiago, Randy, and Matthew. Great job, guys. I support you and I support civic engagement. The way that we were asking them to participate is actually really simple. If you can vote, Jed, you probably know someone who can, and you can encourage them to go vote. You can still do all the fun stuff. You can wear a prom outfit and you can take pictures with them. You can prom polls to them. But you just have to make sure that all the people that you know who can vote are voting, especially if they're younger. And we want to make sure that we start fomenting all this civic behavior since before students are eligible, because that means that when they finally get the right to vote, they're way more likely to do it. So there's many other ways to participate. Like Jerome said, you can participate in marches. You can go to rallies, not in 2020 because we're in a pandemic, but most years. And just by simply educating yourself and being part of the political conversation, that puts you ahead of so many people who are simply not involved and they don't want to participate. They want to be a political. But being outside of politics doesn't make you a political. It just makes you not listen to. And that is something that we can't afford. And for each of you, what's your voting plan? Sophia, you want to start? Yeah, so I'm on a college campus, even though we are in the midst of a pandemic. So I'm unable to vote in person this year. I'll be voting by mail. I got my ballot just yesterday and I plan on mailing it back very soon because voting by mail is safe and it is secure as long as you do it in a timely manner. So I will be mailing my ballot back in the next few days. Awesome. Matthew? So I also got my mail-in ballot. I'm fortunate that in Florida, I'm able to take that ballot to a designated official ballot box. So I'm excited to do that safely. In terms of coronavirus safety, I'm going to be wearing a mask, but maybe doing it a little more fashionably thanks to the Prom with the Bulls initiative. I'm very excited. And please make sure if you are dropping your ballot off at a ballot box, it is an official ballot box. Unofficial ballot boxes are being set up throughout the country from the GOP. So we all have to be aware of that and make sure where we're dropping our ballots off is official. How about you, Randy? So I'm one of those people that could be facing a little bit of voter suppression. I'm a matriculated citizen. So that means that sometimes stuff that deals with voting doesn't always show up when it's supposed to show up, even though I can vote now. I'm working on getting my ballot so that I can go vote and hopefully turn out the youth vote. Amazing. Santiago? Yeah. So I actually can't vote. I'm not a citizen. So my voting plan is a little bit different. I am not voting myself. I am encouraging as many people as I can who can vote to go vote. And the way I'm doing it is by making sure that they know that their vote is not only for them, that when they're voting for them, they're also representing the millions of people who live in this country but can't actually vote. When anyone casts their ballot, they're not only doing it for themselves. They're doing it for probably thousands of people who are simply not eligible or have been purged from the voter rolls, even if they are eligible. So if you can, go vote for people like me who can't. I love that.
Jerome, what's your voting plan? So unfortunately for me, myself, my mother, my sister, and my uncle were purged from the voter rolls about a week ago. So my parents are very fearful of that process. So I'm actually going to go back to Washington, D.C. and vote in person with my family because we just want to be together like I was for my sister in 2008 when she cashed her first ballot. I love that. That is so sweet. And I just want to give a piece of advice for like everyone who's out there. Even if you are a person or voter rolls or any type of thing that happens to you, be persistent and be proactive. Continue to be stubborn and go out there and say, even though you try to take me off the ballots, my vote still matters. I'm still going to go out there and vote. And finally, for each of you, you've lost a lot this year. So much of the weight of COVID and the milestones it has taken away falls on young people. In just a few words, what gives you hope, Randy? My hope comes from everything that I've seen happen in the middle of a pandemic. Everything that the youth has been able to do, even when faced with this adversity. Not only was prom taken away, graduation was taken away, grandparents were taken away so many vital things that we care about. Jobs were lost. What gives me hope is the opportunity to making this our chance to get something better. Jerome, what about you? What gives you hope? I would say what gives me hope in this time is people's resiliency. During this entire year of struggle, we're still out here encouraging people to go thought their census and go out and vote and be politically active. But also I think what gives us hope is that the most powerful thing is that a new generation is coming around and we are stepping on political stage and that we're actually seeing a lot of new policies and we're seeing a lot of new things being put into place because they're seeing that young people are stepping onto the political stage. Also, I think that there's been so many conversations I've been having about what is the role of hope and civic participation. I think it comes from action. A lot of young people, we grew up with anxiety around the climate crisis, around gun violence, and growing up in a future that's uncertain. And I think that hope comes from political leaders and community leaders coming together and actually making action and actually enforcing the Green New Deal or passing the Clean Energy DC Act or talking about the Clean Jobs and Equity Act and figuring out how do we actually solve these problems. And I think legislation is the most powerful form of hope because it continues to fuel it. And I would say that hope isn't just like a sentiment, but it's a muscle that we have to work that continues to be strengthened as we work together as a team to solve these issues. That is beautiful. Santiago, Jerome's a tough act to follow, but what gives you hope? He actually said most of what I was going to say, so I'm just going to follow up on that. I think Generation C is probably one of the most resilient generations. We've grown up through a pandemic, through a recession. Now we're going to graduate into a depression. Many people have faced a lot of adversity. Their parents have lost jobs. They've dealt with loved ones being killed either by gun violence or falling ill to COVID-19. And there's a Facebook post that basically encapsulates everything. Our generation was born to 9-11. We're graduating into a pandemic. And at this point, I won't be surprised if we graduate college and there's an alien invasion because we have not had the best luck. So it gives me a lot of hope and that we've dealt through all of this and we've gotten through it. And I'm super sure we're going to get through this as well. And like you're almost saying, there's a new generation that's coming up and who is not afraid to hold people accountable. And we understand the issues. We understand how to solve them. We don't agree on it, but we understand there's a need to, for them to be solved. So at some point, hopefully this year, if not next cycle, politicians are going to realize that Generation C is no one to mess with. And that if they don't start listening to us, they're going to regret it at some point. So It gives me hope to listen to young people being engaged. It gives me hope to listen to this team. It gives me hope to listen to the students that we were talking about earlier who are so passionate and so knowledgeable. 
and who are literally the future of this world. And to know that we're in their hands is really just comforting. Oh, there's Boris. I'm going to ask him. So I was thinking, mm -hmm. um, will you come to the prom with me? To the prom? The prom at the poles. Oh, that, that would be fire. Yeah! <laughs> Let's go. Okay, come on. <laughs> Matthew, what gives you hope? I think what gives me hope is that so many people are recognizing just how important this election is. Whether they're saying that because of the candidates who are available to vote for in this election or not is not the point. But people are saying this is an important election. You cannot sit out. And that goes to everyone who is eligible for voting. That goes to the youth voters who obviously we care a lot about. That goes to people who historically have not voted in high percentages. And it gives me hope that these are the kinds of people that are going to be involved in the political process, involved in American democracy that maybe haven't before because it gets a bad rap or it doesn't seem like the most positive experience. And really, I mean, that's what Promet the Polls is all about. We want to turn something that historically some people think is negative or stressful or anxiety inducing and turn it into something that gives you hope, something that elicits a positive experience. And really, like I said earlier, if we even get one person to vote that hasn't voted before, we succeed. Seated, and that's the sort of thing that gives me hope, that people who haven't voted are going to vote before and that we're going to see real, real, real change happening in the next few years. Sophia, what gives you hope? Like everyone else was saying, our generation was born into a crisis. We were born in the wake of 9-11. Our graduation this year was a driving graduation. It was unlike anything we'd ever seen before. And my best friend was the keynote speaker for it. And she kind of talked about that. We were born into chaos and we're graduating in chaos. But what gives me hope is the fact that Gen Z grew up in such dark times, but is able to take that and use it as motivation. I've seen friends who've never been involved in politics before getting engaged, volunteering for campaigns, using their voices and their platforms to spread hope and to spread messages about causes they're passionate about. And I think that seeing people who have never been engaged before engage in not only the political process, but just life in general and issues that they care about is so important. And it gives me hope that Gen Z when we do rise to power in government and in other places of power, we'll be able to use our voices and use the things that have impacted our lives for good and to do good and build a better future for everybody. Mm, I love that. Will you all give me hope? Dear young people, don't vote. Don't vote. Everything's fine the way it is. Trump, that was us. He's our guy. Tax cuts for the rich? <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm rich as fuck. Climate change? That's a you problem. I'll be dead soon. Sure, school shootings are sad. But I haven't been in a school for 50 years. I can't keep track of which lives matter. Sure you don't like it. So, you'll like some meme on Instagram. If the weather is nice, maybe you could go to one of those little marches. You might even share this video on Facebook. But you won't vote. You young people never do. But I do. I do. I do. Midterms, primaries. Every single election. We'll be there, but you won't. Because we're a generation of doers. Not whiners. And we're doing great. In 2018, there was a huge jump in turnout of voters between the ages of 18 and 29. That is great news. The not-so-great news, that 79% increase in turnout meant that only 
36% of those potential voters voted. We have failed young people in making them feel like they are part of the electoral process. It has to change. Voting is a right, but it's also a responsibility. It's something we need to be teaching our kids from a very young age. It's got to be part of our discussions around the dinner table, and we need to have robust civics classes teaching the importance, the responsibility of voting. It has to become something they believe in, that they trust, and that they have full participation in. Young Americans have the most at stake in every single election. They are going to live with the consequences longer than the rest of us. We ask our young people to go to war for us, not six-year-old white men, on climate, health care, the economy, education, the environment, civil rights. These are critical issues where young people need to feel like they have a say. It is why I'm so proud of these young activists we heard from today and the activists at March for Our Lives, at Indivisible, at Run for Something, and so many other youth-driven organizations. We need more of them. And those of us who have been around longer, we need to mentor and provide spaces for them to lead. It's our best way forward. And I promise it will change the world. Sorry Not Sorry is executive produced by Alyssa Milano. That's me. Our associate producer is Ben Jackson. Editing and engineering by Natasha Jacobs. And music by Josh Cook, Alicia Eagle, and Milo Bugliari. That's my boy. Please subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and spread the word. Sorry.